I'm, uh, I'm super excited we get to um, have a guest uh, speaker with us today, and uh, some of you know him. Um, his name is Mario Sassi, and him and his wife Dorothy are here today. Uh, Mario pastored for almost or maybe about or more 22 years, right, here in Dorval and at Lakeshore Evangelical Church. And uh, over the years, he's been just a huge support and uh, encouragement to many churches in the area, including ours. And uh, especially as a church that started from scratch 15 years ago and just kind of like slowly making its way through life stages, uh, Mario and Lakeshore has been a great, uh, great encouragement to us. So I've had the opportunity to speak at Lakeshore a couple of times. And uh, the last time I did, he said, hey, we should do a swap. We should do a swap. Why don't we, you come and speak one day, and then if you want, I can come and speak one day. So I did, about a year and a half ago. And then he goes and retires. And I'm like, how do I catch this, you know? Um, so then I said, I don't care if you're living in Ottawa. You're still going to come speak at Westside. And uh, no, well, that's not the only reason. But it's so good to have you, Mario, and you too, Dorothy. Why don't you come up and uh, welcome him? Thank you, David. <laughs> You have no idea how much of a pleasure it is for me to be here. You, you have no idea. I've, David and I have had coffee many times, and uh, he's had the kindness to listen to my offbeat ideas and thoughts. And uh, I, know, I know a little bit about pioneering a work. We started one about 40 years ago in London, Ontario, and we rented like you did for 12 years and then came into a facility like this, and I know it takes a lot out of you, doesn't it? And then the giving and the stuff you've been through, but um, I have looked for. I said to someone just before, I said, I've looked forward to this speaking engagement more than I'd have to any of the ones I've had each Sunday for six months. And they said, oh, you say that to everybody. I said, no, I wouldn't lie to you. I don't say that to everybody. This has been special, and um, we were supposed to come in September, and then David canceled me. <laughs> I said, okay, your call. But anyway, <laughs> it worked out, that, and then he called back, and you know, the reasons are many why I want to be here. First of all, because um, it's an honor to be always with your pastor, it really is. Coffee, talking, chatting, and... Um, I have nothing but admiration for he and Franca. Uh, they're, they're stars. Did you know that? Did you know that? Like, if you go on your website, you'll see them on a video clip. And they are talking like real pros. And amidst all this rubble that you're constructing here. You, have you seen the clip? I mean, they're rock stars. I think they're great. You know, I see these young pastors come out with their shirt tails hanging out and jeans and stuff. I tried that one time with my hurt shirt tail hanging out, going on a platform. And all I could hear was my mother saying, get that shirt tail tucked in. That's all I could hear. So I had to tuck it back in in front of everybody. So they were wondering. But your pastors are wonderful, and you are blessed people to have them. And I'm, I'm thrilled for you. As he was regaled things that have gone on here, uh, especially what happened yesterday, I see that this space is so great for you. You've thought it out well. So uh, bless you. 
bless you in the days ahead. And, and I know with David's heart and Franca's heart, you're going, to, you're going to touch this community in more ways than just a little bit. Right? You can talk back to me or I'm going to get really nervous up here. Okay? <laughs> All right. Well, let's start. Advent has uh, always been a favorite season of mine. I didn't grow up with Advent. I thought Advent was just for Catholics, Anglicans, and Presbyterians. And then when I began to attend their schools, I discovered Advent. Well, you couldn't help it because it was part of the curriculum. And I began to appreciate what I was hearing. And then I began to practice it about 35 years ago in the church that we pastored. And there are so many themes to Advent that you're going to discover. And I know that Pastor Dave has... um, has many things planned for the, for the talks ahead. But I want to whet your appetite this morning from pulling some quotes from Timothy Keller's book, Hidden Christmas. If you read anything by Timothy Keller, you'll be challenged and marvelously fed. But here are some quotes that I want to whet our appetite with as we enter this topic of Advent that is called waiting. That's our theme this morning, waiting. So here's the first quote. Christmas means not just hope for the world, despite all its unending problems, but hope for you and me, despite all our unending failings. Isn't that the truth? If you think it takes courage to be with Jesus, consider that it took infinitely more courage for him to be with you. Only Christianity says one of the attributes of God is courage. No other religion has a God who needed courage. The manger at Christmas means that if you live like Jesus, there won't be much room for you in a lot of inns. I like this one. Over and over, God says, I will choose Nazareth. Over Jerusalem. I will choose the girl nobody wants. I will choose the boy that everyone overlooks. This is probably my favorite. If Christmas is just a nice legend, in a sense, we're on our own. But if Christmas is true, then you and I can be saved by grace. Don't you like that? Saved by grace, not because of what you do or what I do. All right, so we're going to go to our first scripture this morning. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. Would you read this with me? You're okay to read together. I can ask you to do that? Okay. I don't look like David, but I can ask you to do that. Uh, Let's read it together, shall we? I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits in it. Did I give you this word? Let's read that one, okay? More of you, less of me. Here we go. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. My soul waits for the Lord. And we all have our favorite stories about waiting, at least I do. And uh, they say that the average person in their lifetime waits five years 
most of that waiting in lines and queues, and you spend roughly six months of those five years waiting at traffic lights. Did you know that? (laughs) Yeah. If you choose not to blow through them. My favorite story of waiting is when I was a young adult and I got a job at a place called Jordan Winery. Some of you may have heard this story. And Jordan Winery is located just off of, off of Lake Ontario in the Niagara region. A beautiful, beautiful area. Now if you were to drive down the Queen Elizabeth Highway to Niagara Falls, you'll see about 30 wineries. In that day, there was only a few. But anyway, this was Jordan Winery. And I, was, I had applied to be a security guard. Don't ask me why. Fear is not my forte. It is actually quite limiting for me. And I got the job. I got the job. So I, I signed up, and they called me in and gave me my security equipment. My security equipment consisted of three things. One was a key. It looked like a skeleton key. The second thing was a flashlight that occasionally worked. And the third thing was a pair of boots that leaked. The idea was this. I was to walk around this vineyard once an hour. No joke. I had to keep walking. There was no break because this thing was so large. I had to keep walking around and insert the skeleton key in strategic places to make sure that there was a record of someone being in that area to make sure it was all okay in case anything happened. Did I tell my shift was from 11 a.m., 11 p.m. to 7 a.m.? I don't know if you've ever been down there, but there is nothing much above those Lake Ontario areas where the winery is. But anyway, at 3 a.m., I'm walking around this vineyard, this winery, and some parts of the vineyard, and I'm sticking this key into these strategically scared out of my wits. For three twenty-five an hour, I was going to lay my life down against an intruder with a flashlight that didn't work and boots that leaked. Are you kidding me? You have no idea how I learned to pray. I prayed for the dawn of the morning. So when I read this verse, you know, watchmen wait for the morning. I knew exactly what he was talking about. Exactly. God, when is 4.30 going to come and the dawn is going to break? I was waiting. That image will probably never leave me. Waiting desperately for the night to break and the day to come. I resonated with that psalmist statement. But then... As I got into Advent, I began to ask, do I wait for the Lord that way? Do I, I, Lord, when are you coming back? Not as an escape mechanism, but Lord, when are you back? Is my heart aching for your return? The first visitation came. 
Advent means the coming, a visit again. The sec- this points us, as you saw on your website in, in, in David's write-up, this points us to the next coming, the waiting of the next coming. And I, I, I ask myself, do I, in this season, do I wait? Do I wait for the Lord's coming? Or am I so happy, so content, and everything else with it? Look, Lord, come, well, I hope he doesn't come too soon. Do you understand what I'm saying? Among all the words associated with Advent, waiting is the one that challenges me most, as you can tell. And if I tell many, I've told my congregation for years, if you really want to get a good spot on this sermon I'm talking about this morning, you would want to pick up a book by Henry Nouwen entitled The Spirituality of Waiting. I had the pleasure of listening to his tapes, uh, cassette tapes, 30 years ago, and it was just the most instructive thing. I've never forgotten what he said. Anyway, we're talking about waiting. So the Israelites waited for thousands of years. Uh, They were waiting for this one who would eventually crush the serpent's head. Isaiah said, 700 years before the coming, he said, a child is born, a son is given. That was 700 plus years before he came. I have hard enough time waiting seven minutes on the phone with Bell. You'd probably never have waited on the phone with Bell, but I have. And it goes on and on. All, have, you, have you noticed when you read Luke? You go home and read Luke, you'll notice that, that in the first pages of Luke's gospel, almost everybody's waiting. Elizabeth and Zechariah are waiting. Mary is waiting. Simeon and Anna are waiting. They, they were at the temple waiting when Jesus was brought in. The whole opening part of the good news, talks about waiting. And you'll also notice when you read Luke that at the beginning of that, the angels tell these people who are going to be waiting, he says, the angels say this to them, do not be afraid, I have something good to say to you. I need to hear that. I don't know if you need to hear that. But I need to hear that whisper from the Holy Spirit say, do not be afraid, I have something good for you. And that sets the tone for the whole context. So let's start. The first, the first how, how do we wait? So there's three things I just want to put before you for you to consider, maybe take home and do something with. I don't know, <clears throat> but I'll leave them with you. Number one, we wait patiently with hope. There it is. I, I didn't say anything about that, but there it is. Hope. I love it when I saw that. The, heart of, the hardest part of waiting is waiting. Yeah. You thought it was a trick question, right? No. The hardest part of waiting is waiting. It's so open-ended. Now one says, waiting is not a very popular attitude. Waiting is not something that people think about with great sympathy. In fact, most people consider waiting a waste of time. Maybe it's the culture we live in, I don't know, but you're often told, get going, do something, show you're able to make a difference, don't just sit there. But the theme for Advent is quite opposite. It says, don't just do something, wait. Don't just do something, wait. I love this phrase. For many people, waiting is an awful desert between where they are and where they want to go. Waiting is that desert. And people do not like such a place. They want to get out of it by doing something. 
But you see, as we read before, Christmas does not mean just hope for the world despite all its unending failures and problems, but it means hope for me, hope for you. Paul wrote about creation. We're going to read that. It's quite a lengthy part. We're going to read that together in a moment. But how creation groans in the pains of childbirth. How we wait patiently for what we hope for. And then there's a beautiful scripture in Psalm 27:14 that will be going up now. And it says, read it with me, won't you? Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Wait Patiently for the promise of the Lord. I love the choruses Matthew picked this morning as we sang. Uh, you know, I've had the privilege of being, I don't know how many churches the past five months, but this is, this is the nicest worship service we had. Not because I know Matthew, but because it just was. It was an uplifting time of saying, God, we're here for you. You're here for us. Wait for the Lord. And how God's strength comes for those who... Are you going to talk back? How God's strength comes for those who wait for the Lord. The meditation point for that first part would be simply this. Wait patiently with hope. Where is your hope? Where is your hope? If you take your Bibles, do you bring Bibles to church? Don't laugh. Do you bring Bibles to church? If you bring Bibles to church, it's okay. We'll... To get them weaned off the screen there just for a little bit. But if you bring your Bibles to church and you look up the word hope, look up the word hope, and you'll see all sorts of places there where we're told to put our hope in God. You see, did you hear Victoria read Psalm 25:1? To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I hope. In you I trust. O my God. Put your trust in the Lord. So the question would be for you, meditation point one would be, we, patient, we wait patiently with hope. Where's your hope? That'd be a great, great discovery for the next 24 days. Where is your hope as you end up? With, is it in the lineup at Sears? Is it, is it the Amazon.ca? What, what is it? Where's your hope? Or we're going to back off of that. We, had a, we, we heard a wonderful sermon last week by Louis Massarelli. We were in Perth visiting. That was the... One Sunday off, we went to see Perth, uh, Susie's uh, brother-in-law, and um, he had a great sermon saying, are we going to stop long enough to let the fact that God came in the flesh blow our mind or not? Wow. We wait. Number two. Number one was we wait patiently with hope. Number two is going to be we wait patiently with a sense of promise. With a sense of promise. You see, waiting is never something, is never a movement from nothing to something. Waiting is always a movement from something to something more. Zechariah, Mary, Elizabeth were living with a promise that nurtured them. Someone is coming. There's going to come a day where things will change. They were living with a promise that fed them, that made them able to stay where they were. Zechariah hears the voice of the angel saying, Zechariah, your wife, Elizabeth, is to bear you a son. Mary heard the angel's voice saying, Mary, listen, you are to conceive and bear a son. 
But there's a waiting period. You know, there was a group of people in Israel who didn't like to wait, so they became, they became zealous, and they were going to change things. They were going to change political things. They were going to change everything. They were going to overthrow Rome. These are known as the zealots, and, and they weren't going to stand around and wait. Waits for the weakling. They were going to do something. That's why Jesus, one of the reasons why Jesus wasn't excited, he wasn't doing anything. He was talking about a kingdom. He was talking about peace. He was talking about loving your neighbors. And, neighbors. and these, these zealots were saying, are you kidding me? These are Romans we're talking about. The Bible says we need to wait with a sense of promise because that promise is from God. Now I'm going to tell you a little story. Can I do that? How many have been to a circus or something like that where you have trapeze artists? Anybody at all? Have you been there? Yeah. I, I've gone once and my heart was in my mouth all the time and I said, I can't take this. I just can't. These guys flying around on these bars, you know. Now you've got this, you've got this, you've got these trapeze artists. You've got the flyer who's going back and forth and you've got the catcher who's going back and forth, you see. Now, they leave it the same. This is all orchestrated as they go back and forth. Now, there are some very important rules that guide this whole idea, okay? The first rule is this. The flyer is the one who lets go of the bar. The catcher is the one who catches the guy who's flying, that's rule. You, got, you, got, you, got, you have to understand that. The flyer swings on these. We had the privilege of knowing, <coughs> of getting to know the flying Walendas. Ever, ever heard of that? I think he just walked across Niagara Falls. So we had the pleasure of having them in Halifax many years ago. And I just, all I could do, I couldn't even ask them a question because I, I was so dumbfounded with what they did. I just looked at them like some kind of mute. I says, you actually do that? You know what their claim to fame was? They don't use safety nets. Are you kidding me? Mario, are you coming? Are you crazy? You want me to come and watch you do that stuff and splatter all over the ground? How do you do that? I'm more, ner- more nervous than you'll ever be in your life. Anyway, the whole idea was that these trapeze artists would be flying and this trapeze artist would be ready to getting to catching there comes a moment where the flyer has to let go. He has to. Or else it just becomes two guys swinging on bars, right? Or two people swinging on bars. The flyer lets go. He flings his body out in midair. His job, listen up, is to keep flying and wait. You got this picture in your head? His job is to swing, 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 let go, fling yourself in the air. You know what his job is while he's in this, this, this air? It's to wait. I thought I had a tough waiting for the morning. I'm not sure I'd ever want to do that. And here's the second rule. You ready? The flyer must never try to catch the catcher. Are you following me? The flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer's job is to wait 
in absolute trust. Now he's got no trapeze. He's got this guy who he hopes and prays is going to catch him. But he's waiting. He's cool. Middle of the air, he's waiting. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. Do you think God will catch you? Do you? Maybe a meditation point for this part would be, what's God promised to you? What's he saying to you? This Christmas, I can be sure of this. There are some of you walking around those malls who don't want to walk around those malls. There are some of you forking over money for gifts for people you don't know that really don't care about you, but you got to pay your dues and just give it for whatever reason because it's Christmas. But anyway, how about backing off? How about backing off? How about saying, wait a minute here. I'm not saying you to cancel Christmas. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. But how about backing it up a little bit and saying, what's God's promise for us? Is it maybe stepping into something like West Island Mission and doing something, something ordinary for the kingdom of God that becomes extraordinary for a person's life? Is it that? I don't know. I'll let you deal with that. But what's your promise? And thirdly and finally is this. There's waiting patiently with hope, waiting patiently with a promise, but this is the next one. It's called waiting patiently, actively. Waiting patiently, expectantly. Most of us think that waiting is something very passive. A hopeless state is determined by events totally. How many have ever seen the play by Samuel Beckett called Waiting for Godot? Anybody at all? Well, it's nothing to watch, really, but it, it really is interesting because <laughs> it's an exercise in futility, total futility. You have three actors in a dead tree on stage, two actors in a dead tree on stage, and they're waiting for this person called Godot. Samuel Beckett's idea was God is never going to show up, but he called the, the, the person they're waiting for God-O, G-O-D-O-T. And all you have is two actors waiting for this person who is never going to show up. And Samuel Beckett in his own mind said, this is what Christians do with God. They think he's going to show up. He's never going to show up. That's waiting passively. Just waiting. What are you doing? Nothing. Just waiting. You don't see that kind of waiting in Scripture at all. Scripture waiting is always something happening. They knew what they were waiting for, and this waiting and this promise was growing inside of them. Active waiting means to be fully present as you are here this morning, as some of you were here yesterday, as you are in your community. That's active waiting, saying, Lord, where do you want me? Not being in a hurry, but waiting for God to direct your footsteps every step. Waiting in conviction of that hope and that promise. Something is happening where you are and you want to be present to it. That's what waiting expectantly means. It doesn't mean that I will always get what I want when I want, but it does mean that God is always present as I wait, always as you wait. You know, the toughest thing for me to do during this season is to back off and wait. Because there's this to do, that to do, this other thing to do. I don't know what this year is going to be like. I'm not pastoring a church, so I'm just wondering, what's this year going to be like? I said to my wife, what are we doing? But there's a ton of things that we can do, like serve 
at a mission, hand out dinners, get involved with a community. Wait. Wait expectantly in the process of being present. God is bringing his full plan for the world into place. His perfect time. You know, that birth happened at a perfect timing. When Jesus was delivered into the world, the world was enlarged with its waiting. The Bible says, you'll see Galatians chapter 4, 4. Do you have that, Beth? There it is there. Would you, would you read it with me? But when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. When the time had fully come. I'm sure there were Israelites saying, when is this going to happen? When is it going to happen? When the time was fully come. Now one said that waiting is a period of time where we learn. The longer we wait, the more we hear and learn from the one we are waiting for. Waiting is not something static. It's a time when God is working in us, in behind the scenes. The primary focus of his work is in us. Now, I'd like, to, Beth, to show that long portion of Scripture. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? We're going to read this together. I'm not finished yet, so you're going to be sitting back down, so don't get excited. <laughs> All right? So we're going to read this together, and um, it's... Yes, okay, this is good. I just want to make sure I have the right version on there. You want to read, read carefully. Don't read it like you're in a rush and uh, you're in a hurry. Just read it like you're savoring some really good wine, uh, good food, okay? <laughs> so let's read together, shall we? All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why we waiting does not diminish us. That is why waiting doesn't diminish us. Any more, keep reading, than the waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We're enlarged in the waiting. We, of course... Don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Next screen. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer Out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans, he knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition, keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. When we get tired of waiting, God's Spirit comes right alongside and teaches us how to wait. You may be seated. I'm almost done. Waiting. We're waiting with hope, with promise, expectantly, as God builds himself in our lives day by day, moment by moment. You know, my biggest problem as a pastor for 40 years was this. I wanted 
I wanted to see action. I wish I had the patience David has. I hear him talk about the way he nurtured and, 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 and walked with you folks. And I, I have nothing but admiration for him. I told you that. But I, I wanted to see things. I wanted to make things happen. I learned, I learned later on that God's not interested in seeing things happen as much as he's more interested in seeing me change to become more like him. Do you understand? You can do all the community work in the world you want. And if you don't let God change you, well, it's good humanitarian work. Let God change you. Wait for him to change you. So the meditation point here would be, what does waiting expectantly mean for you? Waiting in hope, waiting with a promise, waiting expectantly, and I'm going to finish up with this story. It's a wonderful story. I, I heard it years ago, and I've never used it in public, so here we go. Back in the day when the telegraph, do you all know what a telegraph is? Samuel Morris, Morris Code. Back in the day when the telegraph was the fastest way to communicate, uh, there was a job ad in a newspaper, and it was, it was advertising for a Morris Code operator. The, Morris, the, last, the last Morris Code thing that went out was probably 2013, I heard, from a, a, from a company in India. However, there are still times when Morris Code is still used. Anyway, the young man answered the ad in a newspaper. And he went to the address that was listed, and he arrived, and he entered a large, noisy office. And there was a, there were, he made note that there were seven other people in that office. And he went to the counter, and there was... Have you heard this story before? Oh, good. He went to the receptionist's office, and he saw a sign there that said, Please fill out the form, go sit down, and wait until you get a call from the inner office. So the young man completed his form, sat down with seven other waiting applicants, and two minutes, two minutes pass. And he gets up out of his seat, crosses the room, goes through the door, into the inner office, and walks right in. And the other applicants are thinking, what is he doing? We were here all before him. He's, you know what's going to happen? He's going to get balled out inside. He's going to send back out. And then he probably won't get the job. They muttered amongst themselves, hadn't heard anything. Then one of the gentlemen comes out from the inner office with this young man. And he comes out and he announced to the other applicants, he says, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming today. And, uh, but this job has already been filled by this young man. The other applicants thought there's something wrong with this process here. How, 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 how does he get a job? We were here long before him. We weren't called. We didn't hear any summon. We don't understand what's happening. That's not fair. The employer responded, you see, all the time that you've been sitting here, the telegraph has been ticking out the following message in Morris Coat. If you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours. And he said, none of you heard this. And if you heard it, you didn't understand it. So you kept waiting. What are you waiting for? 
He got the job because he just wasn't sitting there. He was listening. He was hearing. We're all, in one way or another, sitting in a waiting room, all of us in this life. But how are we waiting? Are we waiting with hope? Are we waiting with promise? Are we waiting expectantly? Are we waiting in the word? There's so many more things to say. And this is what I want to close with. I, I am reluctant to say to a congregation, thus saith the Lord, without knowing that thus saith the Lord. But I, as I, I shared this with, with David, but as I prayed and, and we communicated and I sent him what I was going to talk about, and I feel very confident to say this to you. Would you stand with me as we close up? I feel very confident saying to you, hear the word of the Lord to us. Hear the word of the Lord to us. This is the word of the Lord to us. Would you, Beth, shine up Isaiah 40, 31. Would you read this? This is the word of the Lord to us. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's the word of God to us. You can wait in so many ways. And all I'm suggesting to you, you've probably heard nothing new, but all I'm suggesting to you is would you take this Advent season to wait on the Lord in a matter where your hope is pinned only on him, where your promise is undergirded only by him, and where you expectantly hear what he just might surprise you and saying to you through his word into your heart in the next 24 days. Would you allow the Spirit of God to take your mind and heart and spirit to places unknown when he begins to sink into our lives? The word became flesh. God amongst us. Shall we pray? Father God, we, we wait exp- even now, even in this moment, prior to celebrating communion, even in this moment, we wait for your word to our hearts. Speak to us. In Jesus' name. Amen.